So next month is uh, Women's Month. Women's History Month. Women's History Month. And mm -hmm. uh, March 8 is International Women's Day. Hey, hey, y'all get a month too? The black folk got a month too. I know, all the get outsider groups get one month, even though get all month. the words belong to white males. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when's, like one. <laughs> when's your month, Brian? Oh, that's right, every month. Yeah, 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 just, we claim all the months, you know. <laughs> Welcome to episode 121 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint of fine wine or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly Brian Burkoff, plus friends, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens and usually with a good beverage in hand. And you can help support us and show some love for Pop Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. <laughs> Levels start at just $2 a month. $2 a month, people. That's less than a cup of coffee. Uh, I don't even know if you can buy a soda for two bucks these days. You know, I might be a little out of touch, but $2 a month can show some love there's some other levels you can go to that will get you things like some swag and we, got, we should probably send this you're overdue on sending some swag out we are um, yeah. but also some access to uh, long-form interviews with some other special guests visit patreon.com slash life to get started and as always big thank you to those who are currently supporting us and you can join our conversation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using hashtag PTLive. Follow at PubTheology on those platforms and check out video clips from the show on IGTV or on YouTube. You can also leave us a voicemail with any thoughts or questions about the show or topics at 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830. Or you can send us a note by email at info at pubtheology.com. Well, today we'll talk about feminine aspects of God, where and how are they present in scripture and elsewhere, and why are they so often hidden or at least not featured in the church. We'll also talk about the divine feminine as a consciousness or energy found within human persons and how, and also how we can better honor women, treat them with equality in society, as well as celebrate their accomplishments. And fittingly, we are joined today by my friend Patricia Riley. Patricia is a writer, poet, activist, secular humanist, and all-around terrific person uh, who's been inspiring women for over 25 years. Her iconic books, poems, and trainings have traveled around the world, and we're blessed to have her right here in Holland, Michigan, and she's joining me in the shed for today's episode. So welcome, Patricia. Thank you. It's a good. It's a good video day. Uh, I, first time I'm seeing another life human being in Brian's shed. <laughs> I'm glad it's. I'm, I'm glad it's a hospitable place. There we go. Yes. There we go. And mm -hmm. uh, we usually share what we're drinking. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Patricia, what do you got? Today? I'm drinking my well water from my well. I'm a water drinker. Cheers. 
Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> and Good stuff. A little bit over there if you need yeah. a refill. <laughs> Ogan, so, what do you uh, got today? Um, well, as usual, I got a, I got a beer and a story. I'm still working through my, uh, you know, $4 pint supply of the, of the Brock, Brock Pucked, the Brock Pucked Hefeweizer. Um, it, the whole story behind the cheap pints, listen to previous podcasts. I won't go into it again, but, um, um, as our listeners know, I was in Barbados visiting family, doing some stuff with my congregants on vacation for the last three weeks. I consumed probably too much alcohol than one person should have. But I mean, when you're lying on the beach and Barbados makes its own great local beer called Banks beer. And I was just knocking those back. So I came home and I was like, you know what? I should probably like detox a little bit. And, and then I realized I'm going on a cruise next week. So I'm, <laughs> um, uh, you know, and a cruise again, sort of work related. It's a unity cruise. I'm, I'm, a, I'm presenting with a bunch of other ministers on the cruise and you can't cruise and not have, uh, you can't go to Caribbean cruise and not have some nice drinks. So I was like, you know what? It's no point detoxing now. Right. Cause, <laughs> oh. cause, Cause we're going on a cruise next week. So the detox starts in two weeks and I'm drinking some, some have a visor, have a visor. And yeah, what so. exactly is that? Is that, so this is, uh, verb, I mean, I'm illiterate when it comes to what's in the bottle. Right. So, uh, so this is a, a kind of a half of and a half of is like a, a more wheat based bear. It tends to oh, be, it's beer. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. a, a nice wheat color. It's, it's not of the bitter variety like IPAs. Um, it's often uh, better served with like maybe a slice of orange or lemon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good beer to make a shandy with. And um, my corner, my corner liquor store was selling these pint bottles for like four bucks, uh, uh, like two months ago. So I bought a ton of them because mm-hmm. beer, a pint of beer for four bucks is usually unheard of. Um, and it's actually a good beer. Um, it's a com- it's a collaboration between Sierra Nevada and. Weisten, I, my German is so bad. Weisstepenner. I can't even say it. I'm not even going to try. Uh, well, thanks I, for the update. Yeah. <laughs> for the lesson. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. How about you, Brian? You well, got? I am drinking a uh, Pina Playa, which is a Pina Colada Ghost Ale from Brewdog. And uh, I'll read their description because they have delightful descriptions. Also a beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, the drought is over. Brace yourself for a Caribbean storm. Nice. This pina colada inspired ghost has a gosa has a, del- a deluge of aromas with pineapple, coconut, and lemon front and center, followed mm. by a torrent of zesty citrus and aromatic herbal notes that burst across the palate. Hold fast for a thunderclap, sharp, salty finish. Pina Playa, <laughs> juiced up and ready to roll. Wow. Wow. Oh my, that's some serious copy, copywriting right there. Someone man. was working hard on it. I hope they worked as hard on the beer as they did on the yeah. I, I hope so too. And, and, uh, and, and so you said it's a, it's a ghost that uh, tends to be kind of like a soury type ale, but yeah. given all the f- fruit flavors that they got in there, I think that might balance nicely. And uh, Yeah. Or it might go horribly wrong either way. No, it's, it's, it's good. I've had it before. Oh, you've had it before. Okay, then. Well, there you go. It is quite nice. All right. A little hint of that pina colada in summer. You know, we can always dream. <laughs> we're here in the snow, in the yeah. shed, but, you know. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a couple pina coladas for you next week, my friend. We're, we're thinking warm thoughts. <laughs> there you go.
So um, we just had the Oscars this week, and uh, you know, there's been a lot of hubbub about that and who got what award and who should and shouldn't have. Wondering if you have any thoughts about that, uh, and or was there a movie that you saw, whether or not it was up for an award, that really impacted you this year? Mm. Well, I'm a Glenn Close fan, so I was disappointed that she did not get an Oscar for The Wife, which actually fits in perfectly to a topic about the gender of God in relationship to male privilege and women's subordination, because she exhibited that powerfully with a lot of bitterness and resentment. Did, you get, did either of you see it? I did not see it. I did not see The Wife. Award no. women award-winning author yeah. turns out she had written the books he'd oh, identified yeah. her when she was a student of his in college and she held that resentment for decades <clears throat> and very interesting performance and presentation of the co-opting of the feminine in support of male privilege. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That, that yeah. is fitting and sounds like a powerful film it worth, was worth seeing. Powerful. Um, to, to piggyback off that real quickly, I, I also was disappointed, but not entirely because I did see The Favorite and I loved Olivia Coleman's performance. Yeah, I haven't seen that. In that movie. That is such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, it was a movie about a woman who was the monarch, who was, mm. who was in charge, who yeah. was the woman in power, mm. um, and, and uh, the, the court around her. Uh, so, so I wasn't entirely disappointed, and her acceptance speech made the whole night for me. Um, Olivia Coleman, she is, she's a charm. Um, I was disappointed Green Book won, um, I think, like much of America. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it, was, it, was a nice, it was a nice story, but... I mean, when you when you think about it, it was just really this idea of, hey, you know, white people, if you have a black friend and they teach you how to be a little less racist, it's okay, and that will heal us all. Um, and, and was all sorry. Go ahead. Written by a white boy, the son yes. of the driver, which is why I didn't see it because I I knew that I would be so angry if I saw it. It's from another era. It's, yes. You know, just a superficial level of very superficial racism. It it, it was. Um, I I sort of had a personal connection to to the story. The Don Shirley, the actual musician upon whom the story was based, he was actually very very good friends with my girlfriend's great uncle who lived in California, and and they actually entertained him a lot uh, o- o- over there. So. Um, and her great uncle, I think he was, he was a, he was a minister, I forget what denomination, but part of why he left the denomination was because of their refusal to accept, um, folks in the LGBTQ community. Um, and, and Mm -hmm. part of that was heavily influenced by his connection with, with Don Shirley, uh, as well. So, so there was a bit of a personal, um, connection Mm -hmm. there as well. What's interesting was when we, if we flash back and some of you might have heard about this. Um, Spike Lee won an Oscar finally 
you yeah. know, for his, his screenplay adaptation of Black Klansman. Not that long ago, Spike Lee did the movie Do the Right Thing, arguably one of the best movies about uh, the racial situation in the United States. You know what won the Oscar that year? Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, he oh, talked about that. Oh, wow. Another like movie. Yeah. To white women being driven by, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. The driving. Oh, oh my goodness. Movie. Yeah. 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 Another movie with that theme of make a black friend. So, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody was too happy uh, with that. Um, but um, thrilled for all the awards Black Panther won. Thrilled that uh, history was made with, with, with the women that won, the minority women. Uh, you know, uh, Regina King for best supporting actress and the the two women who won in like i think it was costume and production design for black panther um again another disappointment no women nominated for best director again do you know how many women have won best director in the history of the oscars one as i was gonna say one yeah one catherine bigelow um and uh they were shut out again and, and it's it's you know it's unreal so you know oscars you, you you did a little you made a little ground but still a ways to go. And the other thing I dug up and found out that after the Oscar so white campaign, uh, I think that was two years ago that it started the, 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 the voting body of the Oscars is still like 70% white hmm. and almost 70% w- white and almost 80% male. Um, or or those two numbers are switched. I read it and I lost the page. But it's still yeah. predominantly white men, also predominantly older white men who are on this this body that votes these movies. No no wonder we're getting the results that we get. Yeah, yeah, that explains a few things. Yeah, for sure. Oh, did you Whoops. freeze up? I think you're frozen. Think wow, frozen. great look on your face. You'll be back in a second. <laughs> Doing internet through my phone. You don't want me to solo the show. It will not end well. There you go. Are you back? Right. You're back. All right, we're back. <laughs> we lost you. You lost us. But we are we are back. Those who were lost are now found. Exactly right. All exactly right. right. Um. So, uh, do you perceive God as primarily male or female, or is gender not really a helpful lens through which to view? Uh, the divine in your in your estimation, um, and I have a quote we could get to, but interested in initial mm, thoughts to yeah. that. Like, how does gender come into play when you think about God or language mm-hmm. around God? Mm-hmm. Why don't we? Yeah. Well, I would say my own personal story could be summed up in the phrase "the changing face of God." Mm. Grew up in Roman Catholicism, God clearly male had a male body, had male privilege. Men were priests, boys were altar boys. Girls like myself who wanted to be a priest were quick, quickly realized we didn't have the body parts to be a priest, you know? So and that, that turned out real well. <laughs> oh yeah, real well. And so the gender of God was very important to me from early on because Mary for me, because it was a Catholic orphanage. So the image of Mary with the child, this little girl was so drawn to a feminine face of the divine. And yet we were told she's the mother of God. She's not God. But to many Catholics, 
she really was God, the goddess, at least in Catholicism. She filled that role of the feminine side of holiness, yeah. She definitely did. And Catholics to this day pray to Mary, which then the males have been trying to, you know, disconnect them from that fallacy that Mary is God and you can pray to her. And she answers your prayers. So early on, I had this mixed sense. Clearly, the males had privilege. The female was the personable God that we were drawn to, but yet she wasn't God. And then in Protestant fundamentalism, there was no feminine image. So we shifted at about eighth grade to Protestant fundamentalism based on family craziness. And women weren't ordained. So again, I had the wrong body parts or didn't have the right body parts, right? But I could be a minister's wife. So if you were a gifted young woman who didn't look like the male God, you could support the male God, like Glenn Close and the wife. You could write sermons for the male, Uh, right? right. But you couldn't (laughs) preach them. But you couldn't preach them. Which began to... um, that was, I would say, the reason that I eventually left Christianity because of what I consider to be the idolatry of the male God. Because at the same time, those religious communities were teaching us that God is beyond human naming and imagining. At the very same time, they were giving God a gender a name, a pronoun. And so for me, when folks say, okay, what's a secular humanist? For me, I would say I'm a very particular kind of atheist. I'm an atheist who has absolutely no belief in the male god of traditional religion. Mm, To me, it's an absurd idolatry, and it even contradicts the purest teachings of religion, that whoever or whatever that divine energy, that universal spirit is, it can't be confined and made smaller by a human gender. How egotistical. So that the gender of God was really pivotal to my journey from the time I was, you know, seven in the orphanage through Protestant fundamentalism, and then eventually led me to Princeton Seminary where I became a feminist theologian so I could dissect Mm. and deconstruct the idolatry that I saw. Um, I just got done reading a fascinating book, um, God, A Human History by Reza Aslan. and it uh, one one of the things uh, there was n- nothing entirely new in it for me personally, but but he's such a gifted writer, and and the real point that he maps out is how as human beings we've evolved not just in our consciousness, but how we've evolved as humans in the way we organize ourselves, govern ourselves, you know, uh, create spaces to live, um, created uh, governments and, and structures of power as we've evolved in that way. God has evolved in that way to match, not God has evolved. We make God evolve Mm. to match that. 
because so originally the original religion, if you will, was was the idea of of God in nature, um, and 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 there was there was no delineation between divine and 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 uh, sorry masculine and, and feminine, and then more often than not the feminine was also revered right. because because it's the feminine that creates life, right right ostensibly. So, um, but then as 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 men. D- decided to assert their patriarchalness and their authority and their strength or whatever. And as it went on, all of a sudden gods are becoming more and more masculine. And then it's, um, and then as we decided to, uh, to, 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 to coalesce, you know, tribes into, into, into villages and towns and cities and, 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 and the desire to have, to have one King or one ruler mm-hmm. to, to make, to make things work. Then all of a sudden, all, all the gods become one God. You know, I remind people, you just, even in the Bible, you read the Bible. We didn't begin with one God. No. <laughs> you know, the very beginning of Genesis, let us make, you know, humans Humanity in our, our image. In yeah. our image. Why, why we pro- it was plural. Yeah. Hello, human, yeah. plural God. So that's a giveaway right there. Exactly. I, I grew up with, uh, in, in a, fairly evangelical Wesleyan holiness in Barbados actually offshoot a Methodist, but very evangelical and charismatic. And yeah, God was man. God was a man. God was a he. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was very confusing for me was the church was God's bride. So, so, yes. so in, in a weird way, the church was mm-hmm. supposedly that feminine aspect, mm-hmm. but yet within the church, it's the men who had the power, the men, who could be ordained, the men who made the decisions and, and women were complementary, you know, mm-hmm. which, which kind of, I guess is supposed to sound like, uh, you know, a vital essential role, but right. you don't need to take it seriously. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the official language in many evangelical churches with regard yes. to women is complementarianism. Mm-hmm. And they say exactly what uh, you were saying, Patricia, that you can't support the men in their leadership roles and you can do some things perhaps like lead children in Sunday school, mm-hmm. um, but you can't teach the men and you can't That's preach right. and you can't hold certain leadership positions. And it's so condescending. Mm-hmm. It's painful. And it's what I've come to realize is that it limited my vocational capacities. Mm, I mean, yeah. I'm of an age that my neurology was shaped around those concepts of a male God and the feminine place in the scheme of things. And I realized that when I went to Princeton, I attended Princeton Seminary, and while I was there, I encountered other versions of Christianity that actually celebrated women. I had no idea that there were versions of Christianity that actually honored a woman's call to the ministry. But I was denied that, although the the minister knew that I was gifted, so he used me to lead people to Jesus. He called on me rather than the boys, but the boys were the ones who could go on to be ordained. Wow. So there was a, a usurping of my gifts, yeah. but a denial of my um, free exploration of how I wanted to use those gifts. And I always say if I'd been in a secular family, because I'm always jealous of folks who are actually born into a secular family, so they had nothing to 
to sort of exorcise from within their psyche that who knows I might have been a lawyer you know <laughs> really I might sure. have you know changed the world in some way but all the books I read because I love the books about Christians who changed the world who used their gifts to have an impact <laughs> they were all male and so this girl child who so wanted to use her gifts and whose gifts were supported in many ways, but then there was a limit. There was a barrier. There was a barrier. So it's taken a long time to exorcise that mentality, step by step, de deconstructing it within me, because we internalize it. Yeah. And like yeah, Glenn Close, you know, she eventually sort of passive aggressively kills her husband. He has a heart attack because she says she's going to leave him and he has been so dependent on her for, but right. she knew that was the way she could kill him and nobody would know. Right. So she had wow. this resentment growing and then she still didn't step into the ownership her, that yeah. those books were hers. Right. She, so we internalized it and it's our responsibility to deconstruct that internal infrastructure which has limited us so i'm grateful i've you know come i've i've been able to have effective exorcisms yeah, along the way and sure. live yeah. much more fully in my gifts and yeah. and and change the world yes change, change the world you're, you're changing the world because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you and know, it's, it, go ahead, Dorothy. Go ahead, Brian. No, no, you go. Well, I was going to just highlight, you know, that the challenge uh, in the church is that the this language is so pervasive, uh, uh, this gendered language around God. We use the Father image in song, in, um, in readings, in litanies, and the he pronoun in, in so many of uh, songs that are sung in church, it's so often male language. Mm -hmm. And so in, in our community, we try to really pay attention to that and, and change, either find songs that do it better or change the familiar songs with yeah. regard to that, mm -hmm. that language to um, invite the feminine aspect of God into our worship mm -hmm. and naming that and trying to have a balance of male, female, and or just pulling out the pronoun mm -hmm. and referring to God as God or the divine um, or the Holy One or the mm -hmm. beloved, um, mm -hmm. which I think are all beautiful. But I don't, I don't want to remove it because, remove gender either, because I feel like there are powerful components to, um, to some of the imagery that does carry some um, gendered connotations, but I also mm -hmm. think God is beyond gender, yes. so I, I feel like it's it is limiting, Absolutely. you know. So I don't. I'm know. I'm I'm okay with removing the gender when it comes to God. I'm I'm a hundred percent okay with that. Um, and and I was wondering how how Patricia how you felt about that um, in terms of um, of remo of of almost skipping over, if you will folks embracing now the the divine feminine um in in conjunction with with divine masculine and just skipping straight to to seeing god as genderless and and um 
I don't know if you're familiar with uni theology a lot. Uni theology, we've we've totally done our best to de-anthropomize God and God mm-hmm. is presence. Um, and mm-hmm. and and in my own personal life, when I refer to God, I simply say God or it, which makes a lot of people uncomfortable because we still <laughs> we, we we still personalize God in so many ways. Um, um, but 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 I was wondering what your thoughts were around that. Should should we? embrace more and more of the divine feminine to 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 balance out that or should we just like skip it all together and realize as brian said god transcends gender i think i'll I'll talk about my story so one piece of the changing face of god was taking responsibility to study historically the whole trajectory that you referred to. Because our earliest ancestors, when they asked the question, where do we come from? They didn't say it was a male God who ordered the world into being by a series of verbal commands that did not even occur to them. It was, it must've been the big mama who gave birth to all that is. That's the most powerful intuitive response to where do we come from so long before god the father was imagined into being in that shift to monotheism the divine was imagined as woman and for many of us women on this journey that's the first historical intellectual understanding that we come to that long before god was male the divine was female and even though we may eventually move on from there to genderless you know like i don't worship a goddess but historically and intellectually it was important for me to acknowledge that historically she predates the male god and then i moved to a place where I'd have to say that my indictment of the church is really deep, and it's an indictment that the male God became the conduit of misogyny for us as women. So it's complicated. Um, I don't know what you need to do in the church, but I was really (laughs) happy. I was happy during the period of time when the churches began to crack open their language. And I attended a Unitarian Universalist church. Mm. They have a new hymn book that they wrote. They completely rewrote the old hymns. And I sat there crying because I don't know if you're aware of it, but you can purchase it for for your congregation too. It's really powerful. And it holds on to some of the melodies, but the words, it was like a, figure ground show for me when I sat there and experienced that. So my question to you today was going to be what happened with that movement within the (laughs) church where there was a recognition that God is metaphor. Any name we use for the divine is metaphorical. Of course. So let's change our language. So what's the holdup? Yeah. Yeah. What's the (laughs) the habit? The neurological habit. It's a very deeply implanted. I, I, I was going to say men. The answer is men. <laughs> <Nothing Yeah. happened. laughs> we, we still we want not, to be God. <laughs> we, we, we weren't ready to let go of the power. <laughs> um, yeah. But 
I think in the main, so like in mainstream and established traditions like Catholicism and other places that, that, that needed God to be male, mm. those who couldn't fit into that, they, they left and they either left the church altogether or they left and found denominations that honored that unit. You mentioned Unitarian Universalist. You mean, uh, I, I, I'm in unity, which is predominantly female in, in, in congregation and clergy. Uh, as well, um, there, there, there are those places, and and for those uh, who, who've made that realization that um, uh, or desire to honor the divine feminine, or have kind of realized that 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 it's not important for God to have gender uh, for them, uh, that's where they've made their home. But it is so embedded and ingrained. It's, it's, I mean, I still catch myself after have, uh, I mean, I left, I left that evangelical upbringing in my early twenties, I'm talking 21, 22, I'm 45 right now. My default is still to see God as a male figure and I have to catch myself and, and remind myself, oh yeah, I don't believe that, uh, Mm -hmm. anymore. Now, uh, what I think is important is um, coming or being in a tradition that honors um, the uh, divine manifestation as myself, you know, within myself as myself to honor that within me are aspects of the divine feminine and to cultivate those, you know, uh, the one example comes to mind is, is Sophia wisdom. You know, that that's an aspect of the divine feminine who doesn't need a little more wisdom in their life. Right. So, so to to really investigate those and realize that no it is not it is not just these these masculine qualities which we see more of in the bible uh but you know who who were the editors and authors of that's right. the the bible so that that's what came out mm-hmm. um but then also to read other scriptures um, um that that are not in the traditional canon that 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 speak to the divine feminine um and are from the in the divine or or in the female voice you know gospel of mary uh, uh these other these other texts that, that can give us uh, a different view yeah and it's essential i wrote the first book i wrote was a god who looks like me discovering a woman affirming spirituality it was sorting through our religious past and discussing the images that we're working with today in this conversation. And I recommend it that people, because folks say, you know, I don't believe God is male. I'll say, okay, so for a year in your personal prayers Mm -hmm. and reading, how about using mother, sister, you know, female images of the divine and see what comes up for you. And then you know the places in you that have been habitualized to the image of a male God. So an experiment like that both is self-revealing, but it also begins to crack open the dominance and idolatry of the male God image. And folks have had very traumatic times with that yeah. year because yeah. <laughs> they find the male God still occupying their brain. Like Alice Walker said in the color purple, you know, everywhere you look, 
there's the male, you know, yes. even in my brain, I can't get rid of it. You know, it dominates. He's on your cereal box. He's, you yeah, know, yeah. in your ear. He, and it, and it didn't help that, that Jesus, the savior was male as well. That did not, did not help the situation. Uh, I think it right. Really yeah. And we have, this, <laughs> we have this quote from uh, Debbie blue. She's a pastor in uh, Minneapolis and, and she said uh, that this image, uh, male image of God persists in the popular imagination, most likely has to do with some language we find in the Bible and the layers and layers yeah. of patriarchy involved in the whole shebang, she-bang. And she says it takes some effort and imagination to, to dislodge this monolithic he. And I think she's right, as you're saying. It, it's just so pervasive in in language, in song, in the life of most instances of the church, that it really does take that conscious intention. And um, I think it's beautiful when we expand our language for God and when we invite people to sing to mother or pray to mother God or sister or she, I think it's very beautiful. And, and to me is a fuller image uh, of of the divine, which is always you know more than we can comprehend anyway, and For is beyond sure. us, and in his mystery, and as we already noted in the very opening uh, chapter of the Bible, mm-hmm. the divine said, "Let us create humanity in our image, male and female. We were created, yeah. so we know that there were two that there's that there's stories. that there's yeah. Gender, both genders and beyond gender involved in the divine. So mm-hmm. to pretend that God is one or the other is, is silly and not even really supported if you dig deep enough in the text, I think. When I went on the book tour for God Who Looks Like Me, I took a performance piece and I was in Barnes and Noble in New York City and I did this piece called The Big Mama and I reversed the seven days of creation. So in the very beginning was mother on the first day she gave birth to light and darkness they danced together and then I went through the seven days and on the seventh day she left space for the unknown so it was this powerful reimagining that brought together light and darkness instead of duality there became unity you know and at the end of it a man raised his hand and he said I love the big mama. I'm tired of being God. He was tired of being God. And that's the other side of this, the requirement that men be God. God in the family, God carried, you know, God in the community, God in the world. It's really a call for all of us to step in our into partnership. And he said, I'm tired of being God. I want to learn to play the piano. Oh, I awesome. thought that was so beautiful. beautiful. He's like, he wanted to be mama too. He he mm. understood mm. the depth of its infamile God image on both female and male yeah. in its own story. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. So uh, so to kind of to kind of connect this to what we started with with the Oscars and movies. Um, shout out to the movies in which God was played by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mostly it's a male person playing God. Um, mm-hmm. um, shout out to Alanis Morissette in the movie Dogma. I don't know if you guys oh, yeah. saw that movie. Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in the shack Olivia Spencer. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Octavia Spencer. Octavia. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a black woman playing God, which apparently ruffled a few feathers. Shock yes. yeah, imagine. <laughs> and that's what we uh, need to happen. It's ex- exactly to cause that tension within us, so we begin to see beyond gender. Yes, and uh, one of my underrated favorites um, in an episode of Will and Grace, Cher played God. Oh, she did. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 she did. He was having a dream sequence, but close enough. Close um, enough. You know, cl- cl- close enough. So, um, so yeah. So, so I think I think pop culture mm-hmm. um, can play a part in, in shifting that image shifting that narrative i'm i'm watching there's a tv series now called uh, miracle workers um mm-hmm. on tbs and basically god's like depressed and bored um decides he wants to blow up earth and a couple of you know angels um have made a bet with him that they had a certain period of time to make this couple fall in love and if they did god would save earth and if not god would love the earth kind of this ridiculous comedy uh wow. Daniel Radcliffe, i.e., you know, the kid who played Harry Potter, he's not a kid. Yes. He's playing um, one of the angels. But God is being played by Steve Buscemi. I mean, you know, a white, a, a white guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so as, as like long Harry as Harry Potter was white, all the saviors are white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? So it's white and male. So as long as we yeah. continue to perpetuate the image of you know the white male savior which is what i also had a little trouble with the green book yeah. about because that was kind of like you know inserted in multiple cool. places cool. Yeah. then we continue to you know perpetuate uh this idea and i'm um and the shift is happening a lot in recent years with movies that um women are not just the central character they're the hero they they lead the film and now we have evidence that movies that are played by female leads as a central character of the hero, they're making more money at the box office. Yeah. It, you know, and for decades, for decades, it's like, no, there's got to be a man in mm. the lead and a white man or people won't watch the movie and we won't say, no. I mean, you know, Black Panther proved differently when, when yeah. it came to, to, to to, to the to the ethnicity and the race of the people leading the movies and now now mm-hmm. with women as leads we're we're seeing a difference. Um so I think there's beginning to be a shift, but I, I think weirdly enough, when it comes to God, the shift will happen on the human level first. Mm-hmm. Like the wide scale shift when we when we realize the the equality of men and women, I think when when that when that gains the the majority foothold mm-hmm. um because arguably I don't think it has yet, but when that when that happens, I think then all of a sudden we will see this mainstream shift in 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 how we perceive God. And, so and the, as it is on earth, it will be in heaven, right? No, and to shift. I was gonna just say one thing to your Christian listeners because I'm clearly outside of that community now, but I, I traveled there and. Bobby McFerrin did a powerful piece, was really important in my transition. It was Psalm 23, the, tw- the 23rd Psalm, but he shifted it to the female. See, so still used the Lord, so the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. She, 
all the way through she. Nice. So surrounding ourselves, if we're still holding on to that male imagery, which is understandable, it's so reinforced over and over again in what we read and hear and see around us. But if you're open and curious and want to expand beyond that very limited image, try the, you know, even a month where your prayers are addressed to a female God, the God of the Sophia, yeah. wisdom, you know, the big mama, <laughs> the, yeah. the mother from the very beginning. And listen to Bobby McFerrin's 23rd Psalm. Have those words in your devotions and mm. in your quiet time. That's what we used to call it, that yeah. moment at the beginning of the day when we would center. So there are ways that we can begin to open up our heart and our experience way beyond the small God that we were given. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. And so how do you think this, uh, the way we view the divine can connect us to, we talked earlier, hinted at the uh, divine feminine as sort of a, a consciousness or an energy within human persons. Mm -hmm. So we have this quote from Suzanne Kingsbury, and she notes that the divine feminary, uh, feminary, the divine mm -hmm. feminine, feminine is the aspect of the self associated with things like creation, intuition, community, uh, she says sensuality in terms of felt sense rather than thinking sense. Um, and that doesn't mean not thinking sense. And then, and also collaboration. So in other words, a number of, of okay. and, and would, how does that strike you? Would you push back on that? Would you? Well, this is the way I worked with that because I felt like historically there's been a really misogynist assignment of qualities. Yeah. So women are this, men are this. So the female divine is this, Good. you know, the male god. Yes. So I point to Eve and Lilith. I thought of Eve as the one who holds and nurtures life within her. But what happens at a certain point? Lilith thrusts life, you know, from yeah. her thrusting was always male dom, the male yeah. domain but in the fullness of time the woman thrusts life from her mm. that's a pretty powerful image and so we've tended to see females just in terms of those misogynistic assignments so for me i rejected sort of the male and female within me I wanted to embrace the wholeness of myself, mm. which includes the capacity to thrust life from me, yeah. strong, power and power, the power to create. Having power. Having power, yeah. you know, as well as, but then look at the male anatomy. You have the same thing. You have vulnerability in your anatomy. You, <laughs> and yeah. you have the capacity. Yeah. So I think... We've had a misogynistic lens, even in terms of the assignment. Great. So I believe that that's why I'm an atheist, because I believe that my call as a human being is to come home to the self, mm -hmm. come home to the wholeness of who I am as a human being, yeah. and no longer externalize the qualities but to see them as alive and well within me. Um, 
I wrote the 12 steps from a woman's perspective and I called it a deeper wisdom mm. that my desire was not to find a higher power outside of me, a bigger bully on the playground who could beat up my addiction, but a descent into the richness and resilience of my own life. And that's what I hear in your question, Beautiful. that it's a consciousness, right? right? And it's a self-consciousness. It's a return. Yeah. to the wholeness that it is life's gift to us. And from my perspective, I know it's different within the Christian perspective, but for me, it's not about conversion to something. It's about a descent into the richness of my own life and a reclaiming of self-love and self-respect. Beautiful. So that's how I that's see great. that. That's perfect. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned uh, Lilith. I've been thinking about yeah. her uh, so this, awesome. this com- conversation mm-hmm. and, uh, it, you know, to just, just uh, uh, another nod to the, to the patriarchy of the Bible, you know, Lilith basically being written out of the story, right. and, That's right. you know, and, and replaced by, uh, you know, a much more sub subservient, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, re- replacement in, in Eve. Um, but, so uh, my question for you is, do you ever see yourself returning to the church given, uh, given where you are, seeing how the church is um, in some cases evolving or, um, or not? No, but I do see myself in partnership. So here in Holland, we have Holland Interfaith Allies. Mm-hmm. And I find that I'm drawn to purposeful people. And here in Holland, that's my Christian colleagues, you know. I live a really purposeful life. And so to go to those committee meetings is just a powerful place to be with other purposeful folks who are committed to radical inclusion and justice. I'm on um, Clergy for Justice, Faith Leaders for Justice, Justice, Interfaith Allies. I hold the place for the secular non-religious community. And I I don't see a way back for me to the church. I'm grateful that there's an evolution in the understanding of the divine. I'm grateful that folks are cracking up in the misogyny of the church but it really doesn't draw me. That aspect doesn't draw me. But the church has privilege. It's become an infrastructure for the good. And you have, you are so far ahead of the secular community because you have institutions that are an infrastructure for doing good around social justice, about radical inclusion. And we have a lot as a secular, non-religious community, we have a lot to learn from how the church developed those infrastructures. And I'm just feel really privileged to partner with my religious colleagues. I was going to say some churches. (laughs) Yes, some churches. (laughs) Let's not not paint with too broad a brush now. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> but here in Holland, we have our progressive Christian yeah. allies, which we're grateful for. Yeah. But it's challenging uniting secular folks. I mean, around, in the same way that the church has that one belief, right? That credo that you speak and folks adhere to. But in Holland, the really cool thing is that secular folks have found their way to the UCC church. They might not See, they can handle the God stuff more than I can. So even though I want to go hear Brian speak, I don't want it to affect our relationship. <laughs> because if I heard certain, I would be like, no, I can't hear that. But all the things that Brian and his folks do, yeah. I'm like, yes. And Hope Church, the yeah, same so way many, many secular folks go to Hope Church because it has an infrastructure to do social justice yeah. work. Or grace Episcopal or, or name grace it. Yeah. First yeah, yeah. Presbyterian. Yeah. The United Methodist Church, sure. right? So the secular community, some folks feel more comfortable. They can't necessarily say the statement of faith, but mm -hmm. as secular non-religious folks, they sit in the pews and feel very comfortable because mm -hmm. those are churches that are turn toward action yeah. in the community and for the record we don't have a statement of faith at holland ucc so yeah. whatever you believe or don't believe, i said maybe all. i'd listen to one of his sermons like in secret <laughs> at home and, and say okay can i go you know and the same with jill and gordon i love them and i want so much to just go and support you can watch on you facebook do. you don't even I, need to come yeah but it, yeah, the test would be if i could be in the same room and not have to walk out because right. i I've really, for me, deconstructed, yeah. you know, religion in yeah. such a way that it's not something that calls me today. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally, I totally understand that. I, I, I abandoned church for a while, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and for me, it, it, it had to be finding what, what got me back in was a the theology that, that made sense. <laughs> you, you know that uh, when I, when I found that, you know, as I like to say, drank the Kool Aid, and now, now here I am being a minister, but. But 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 it had to make sense, um, um, and and you know I'm I'm grateful for the work you're doing and being willing to say even though you know the the context of church doesn't work for you personally, you recognize the good work that's yes. being done by by those churches and and you know folks like Brian and 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 realize it's more important for the for the greater good to partner. That's you know, you know, with, with them, some, some, some people are not as, as forgiven or as, uh, as gracious or, or willing to say, yeah, we, we can work together even if our, our beliefs are not on the same page, on the same paragraph or the same sentence. Um, so yeah, good, good for you. <laughs> and, and good for good for Holland that you're there. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Good for Holland that you're there. Um, you're there doing that. We, but honestly, though, when you when you sit in meetings with all these ministers, do you not sometimes just like want to bash your head against the table and go like, "Oh my God, these church people—they're about to drive me up the wall." No, <laughs> Cover your ears, really you don't encourage wanna... me because they've evolved so much. You know, I mean, they're very <laughs> healing because I sort of got stuck in fundamentalism, then went to Princeton, then graduated from Princeton. I lost touch with the continuing evolution oh, yeah. of. Protestant denominations. So gotcha. being with them, I'm like, good job. You know, you've like moved along. I hope you keep going. I'm very grateful 
people. And you know what they do? They have groups for people who have been hurt by Christianity because they recognize that aspects of religion have harmed people. And to yes. me, that is like hope has the Wednesday night meeting at Hobbs for anybody who has a gripe, a complaint, a, a trespass that they experienced. Um, I just think that is very powerful. And yeah. I appreciate the church here. We have a group called Holland Openly Secular Alliance. And uh, some of us love church. We just want to create a secular church, you know, like where, sure. where God really isn't there. You know, we, we have great music. We have inspira inspirational messages. So some humanists um, have created that in Cambridge. They've created at MIT and Harvard the Humanist Hub which you yeah. probably are aware of. There, there, I mean, there's a whole atheist church movement. Um, yeah. Okay. yeah. Churches. Sunday assembly, right? Yeah. 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 Assembly. The, 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 the important community elements of church are maintained, right. singing together, fellowshipping together, supporting each other, but, but, the, but the God aspect is, is removed, which, I, which right. I think is brilliant. Yeah. Um, in, in, so many, in so many ways. Yeah. So, uh, so next month is uh, Women's Month. Women's History Month. Women's History Month, and mm -hmm. uh, March eight is International Women's Day. Hey, hey, y'all get a month too. The black folk got a month too. I know all get the outsider groups get one month, even though get a month. all the months belong to white males. But we <laughs> yeah, get when's, like what? <laughs> when's your month, Brian? Oh, that's right, every month. Yeah, 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 just we, we claim all the months, you know. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So it was really interesting. I, you know, I, I didn't, I, I'm not that familiar with, mm -hmm. with International Women's Day. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even sure when Women's Month was because Patricia's like, I want to come on the show, you know, around Women's History Month. And I'm like, when, which month is that again? <laughs> I'm just owning that. But it's interesting that in the U.S. we don't recognize International Women's Day. Well, right? some of us do. Well, I mean, yeah. it's not an official, it's not a federally recognized no, it's Day, not right? federally recognized. Doesn't mean there aren't many people who celebrate, celebrate it. Certainly it there are. So do you have a little background or history? Well, I, I pulled up the history again, but it started in Copenhagen um, in the socialist community. They established Women's Day in honor of the movement for women's rights and to build support for achieving universal suffrage. Yeah. Um, a hundred women from 17 countries. And then out of that Copenhagen meeting, um, International Women's Day became a mechanism for protesting World War One. so we moved. Mm. And then in the 70s, International Women's Year, the United Nations began celebrating it on March 8th. Okay. So the Uni okay. United Nations has its Women's Commission and they're the ones who roll out events for March 8th. Great. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Beijing. The women met in Beijing. And then 2014, the 58th session of the Commission on the Status of Women um, continued to expand the goals of International Women's Day. So it's become part of the infrastructure for rolling out mm. Um, for girls and women, opportunities mm. of empowerment and inspiration. 
Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Excellent. And then Women's History Month is more about learning art history. You know, basically what we all learned was white male history. So most of us had to like reframe our understanding of history. And um, some of our foremothers were instrumental, including Gerda Lerner, who wrote The Creation of Patriarchy. And so she used that filter of the creation of patriarchy, so it's immersed within the history we learned. And she began in the women's colleges here in the United States to create the discipline of women's studies and women's history. And that, again, was um, a powerful voice for women's empowerment. Mm. So our daughters begin to learn the history that includes them. Yeah. Um, just, it's very similar to, you know, Black History Month, right? We put yeah. ourselves back into the history. Yeah. And again, and again, it starts almost at at the ground cultural level. Mm-hmm. Again, more and more movies with with women That's and people right. of color and, and women of color, yeah. um, and 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 girls seeing themselves portrayed on the screen, and I think we saw this so brilliantly in in last year's midterms. So many yes. women of color being elected to the to the house right right now, um, and it's it's um, it, it you know people people talk about the despair of this time, and I'm I'm seeing so much to be hopeful for yeah, so in, in term in terms of change, and you, you know when when people disparage um or or bemoan you know how far we must have fallen to to elect a president that, that, that we currently have i'm like well we we haven't fallen we we were always there you know it was, it was a lot of the secret but him coming to power and bringing all of all of our shadow self mm-hmm. as a nation to light is allowing the the it's allowing us to say this is not who we want to be mm-hmm. and 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 i think it is what inspired so many women to run for office and so many women who are now uh you know running for president um as well um you know and 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 it's 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 a beautiful thing to behold so i think we've been on the you know we've been on the precipice um of we are on the precipice of of a big shift and it's up to us to see which direction it goes but um as i've said to people before human consciousness has always been evolving and evolving up and you know it's it's be, it'll be bumpy along the way, but it's always going to evolve up. It always has. Excuse and me. in sheer numbers, I yeah. mean, we're looking at a major demographic shift. California yes. Caucasians are already in the minority. So mm-hmm. those of us that lived in California, we were already put in our place. We totally get it. But Michigan toddlers, primarily toddlers of color, now. Yeah. Toddlers of color are outpacing Caucasian toddlers. By 2040, 18 and under, the browning of America, we're seeing that in that election. And feminism will change. And even the way the issues we're talking about today in the church will change. Because I was influenced by... Well, Audre Lorde and African-American mm. awesome women. Yeah. But initially it was white feminists. And right. they had a different 
place from which they were speaking, they were attached to privilege in that they were attached to white males. So there was a different kind of sense of things. I'm really excited to see what happens when younger women, and they're living feminism, really. Yes. I mean, that they're running for office, being elected, they're speaking truth to power. And social media, I think, has That's sort of right. democratized uh, people's voices. That's true. Uh, and so, mm -hmm. you know, people are able to, to speak truth yeah. uh, in ways that they couldn't before, mm -hmm. maybe. And we and we also kind of seen this uh, so like right now we were going to talk about this maybe in our post-show time, but right now we're seeing this happen in the United Methodist church, not with women per se, but with the LGBTQ uh, movement um, and in where the Methodist church, you know, so many folks are saying we, we want to change this. We want to open our doors and we want to or ordain, um, you know, or, or gay, lesbian and queer brothers and sisters. We want to be able to marry these folks. And some people are pushing back against that. And, you know, there, there may be a split, uh, you know, and, and I think they just decided or voted to, to maintain the, the status quo of the church. Yep. Um, and, and there's some folks who are, who are ready to say, no, we want, we, we want to be on the side of love and we want to be on the side of equality. And this is, so I see a split coming, um, you know. It, and it feels like it. It feels like it because they, they had an option on the table where they could have allowed each congregation to make their own choice yeah, on the issue exactly. and remain. And I believe that was the one body plan where mm -hmm. we'll stay together, even though we may have differing views. One, one church plan is what it's called. One church plan. And they shot that down. But yeah. what they did say is that churches who choose to leave can keep their property. Oh. So I think that leads to... How gracious of them. Split. <laughs> yeah. Because now yeah. churches can leave and there won't be loss yeah. of, mm -hmm. of material uh, yeah. property, which matters. You know, it I mean, does. it's not a small thing. So at least right. they did say that. Yeah. So we can, I think, uh, you know, we're going to continue to keep seeing more and more of this. This, this is the upward evolution of consciousness. We're going to keep seeing more and more of it in all aspects of, of, of government, of church, of, of, of our social lives or cultural lives, uh, it's, 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 it's happening. And, and the boomers are, are passing on. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a boomer. I'll be 68 on March 11th. And what? I Stop am it. so 58. excited. No, 68. I'm one of the ways that 68 looks and acts. And Love it. That's Boom. what Gloria Steinem said. That's <laughs> what we should respond to that particular Perfect. statement. Perfect. But, um, I mean, there's some of us who have evolved through it, throughout our lives, but look at the age, the demographics in terms of these votes. So there's another wave coming. There's the ages, and then there's also, because the United Methodist Church is a global denomination, oh, that's right. many other nations, nations. are the non-U.S. Um, nations yeah. are the ones voting for the traditional plan. And someone talked at our pub oh, theology yes. gathering last night here in Holland that in, in many ways there's almost an irony in that many of these churches in other nations were the result of colonial missionaries who taught them uh, a traditional view of God, uh, masculinity, okay. sexuality, and now it's coming back to bite the West wow. Western Europe and the U.S. Mm -hmm. who have evolved on some of these mm -hmm. issues, but these uh, many of these churches are in indigenous places that didn't 
have Christianity until missionaries came. Wow. And so they're yeah. almost paying the price for, mm-hmm. for that. And I thought that, you know, maybe that's too Karma. simplified, but, but I think there is a little bit of that there, which yeah. is really interesting. And we're seeing that in the Catholic Church as well, you know, yeah. with um, the different uh, consciousness about yeah. sexuality, yeah. male, female, happening around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good yeah. luck, church people. <laughs> I, I bless you from, from my like, place my... in Secularville. In the land of freedom. And not that we don't have our issues, but I... And that you just keep showing up and mm. fighting the good fight. Bless you all. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you. That sounds like a, a good parting parting word. Any any last thoughts, uh, Ogan? Are we good? No, no. Um, um, I I I'm um, I'm glad I got the chance to meet you today. And um, um, you know, anytime you're in the uh, the Boston area, give me a shout. Yeah, um, I'm and, applying for CPE there and Austin. And okay. then the Atlas, so we'll see where I end up. Ab- ab- happy absolutely. Cruise. <laughs> happy cruise. Happy cruise. Yeah. Happy, happy cruise. And then detox after. And, uh, don't forget <laughs> the detox. Yeah, I'm. 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 You know, you. You. My. 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 Forty-five is, is. You know, pales in comparison to your. What did you say? Sixty-eight. Um, yeah. Uh, but. But I also realized that I. I just can. Uh, um, I, I, I just can't imbibe like I used to and, and not, not suffer to your body. <laughs> so it, it, exactly. So it might be, it might be time to like take a long, hard, serious thought as to, you know, maybe, maybe want to live out the rest of the days a little drier. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can uh, connect and spread the word on social media, share the episode with your friends. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, uh, iTunes, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. We'd love you to rate us on iTunes. That helps us hear what you think about the show and helps other folks find us. And don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube or Instagram, IGTV. And if you'd like to join a conversation, uh, a pub theology group uh, in your town, check out the official directory at pubtheology.com. We've got uh, over 150 groups listed on the map across the country uh, in Canada and even Europe. And if you don't see one near you, you can find some resources to start your own. And we'd love you to uh, consider supporting the show on Patreon. can visit patreon.com slash PT live to get started. And until next time, friends drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Well, this was so fun, Patricia. Thanks yeah. for coming out. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. This was really, yeah, really so, good. so glad to meet you. You just really uh, made the episode, so wow. thank you. And thanks for the questions and I'm sure listening. I really appreciate them. All well, right, enjoy the cruise, my friend. Uh, see you in two. Seriously, you guys think about Barbados next year. We will. That'd be awesome. All right. All right. Later. We'll see you.